Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Seeing comes before words. The child looks and recognises before it can speak. But there is also another sense in which seeing comes before words. It is seeing which establishes our place in the surrounding world. We explain that world with words, but words can never undo the fact that we are surrounded by it. The relation between what we see and what we know is never settled. John Berger said that. I enjoy the writing of John Berger, who had an art training in painting and sculpture, and Robert Hughes, who's essentially an art critic. I came to photography with no training, no theory, indoctrination, no understanding of the medium other than personal connection. I had not been introduced to Sontag, Barthes, Secular or Bergen. I was a theoretical virgin and it didn't seem to hamper my engagement with the medium or enjoyment of the photographic image. I enjoyed the writing of Berger, who had an art training, as I say. But it was not until I'd been involved with photography for over 25 years that the idea of the photographic theory appeared on my radar. The instigator for its arrival was my arrival into academia and when I began lecturing on photography within a university. I've recently been reading Jeff Dyer's latest book, Seesaw, Looking at Photographs, a compilation of his writing. Photography for Dyer is part of what he does. It is not only what he does. He explains this in the introduction to the book, and he says how he spends more time looking at photography and books whilst lying on a sofa. I think many of us can connect with that. He mentions Bartaz and Sontag and Berger, but he refers to them in a way that makes sense in simple language. The other day I tried to read and understand this. Perhaps, indeed, photography's expanded field, unlike sculptures, might even have to be imagined as a group of expanded fields, multiple sets of oppositions and conjugations, rather than any singular operation. And yet it is striking how consistently photography has been approached by its critics through the rhetoric of oppositional thinking. Whether we look to the photograph as torn between ontology and social usage, or between art and technology, or between what Barthes called denotation and connotation, or what he also later called punctum and studium, between discourse and document, to use an invention of Benjamin Booklocks, it didn't help me understand anything. Now, some may say that the fault lies with me in this. But in Dyer's book, he explains why Berger's writing differs so greatly from this type of theoretical knitting. Dyer said this of Berger. Berger's method was always too personal. The habits of the autodidact too ingrained to succumb to the kind of discourse and semiotics mania that seized cultural studies in the 1970s and 1980s. Victor Bergen, to take a representative figure of the time, had much to learn from Berger. Berger comparatively little from Bergen. I think I'm going to have to agree with Jeff there, but I'd also add that I think the same kind of 
seizure of cultural studies and photography may have started in the 1970s and 1980s, but I'd argue it's still alive and kicking today. I was looking at a group of photography recently, um, and most of the work that was being produced by was was being produced by photographers, shall we say, of a certain age, certainly probably about my age and upwards from the mid fifties onward. And the majority of that work, to me, uh, was landscape based. It was some nature photography, some wildlife photography, and it started to make me think. Not no criticism of that work at all, but it started to make me think as. Does our photographic subject, does what we photograph, get dictated to by our age? As young bucks just starting out, we might think of the fashion world. We might think about photographing the culture of what we're experiencing every day. There was a time when photographers thought it was an exciting thing to go off to war and to document. That idea of the passion and the enthusiasm and the naivety of youth taking us into areas which are dangerous, challenging and experimental with our work. As life kicks in, perhaps the kind of work we do changes. And it changes not necessarily because of a photographic change, but because of a personal change, an age change. And therefore, as we progress and perhaps our lives um slow down and we're less in need of that desire for adventure, we either start to look inwards or we start to look on a very, very narrow focus. Now, that doesn't mean that that work doesn't still have to be good or isn't good. I saw in the last week that the photographer Neil McDermott is producing a book of uh, photographs of his breakfast table. Well, that certainly isn't travel photography, but what a beautiful set of images um, I've seen so far in the dummy of that book. So the change in subject matter does not mean to say that the work that we're creating is less important. But it is a very interesting reflection of where we are as a photographer. I wonder if that's the reason why so often I look at monographs of a photographer's life career and I'm so excited by the early work, but find it difficult to empathise with the work perhaps created in the later years. Maybe I will when I get there myself. This week we welcome to What Does Photography Mean to You? Jill Beth Haynes. Jill was born in Hawaii and graduated from the Academy of Art University, San Francisco, California, in 2010 with a BFA in photography. She started taking photographs in elementary school when she was given a disposable camera for a class project and has been obsessed with creating images ever since. Interesting, isn't it? Same story there as we heard from Nolan Ryan Trow last week. Anyway, Jill's work is cinematic, dreamlike, and most of her images stem from her personal experiences and are inspired by her struggles with identity and her journey as a woman. She was recently shortlisted for the Next Photography Award by the DNAD in the UK, and her work has been published in publications around the world, including in Gup, Vice, The Wild magazine, Shown, The Photographic Journal and Contributor. Haynes's work has been exhibited globally, including in Japan and France. 
She's currently working on a number of short films and a photographic series with her creative partners, Duplicity Studios, whilst pursuing an MFA from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. She lives and works in North Carolina. What does photography mean to me? Photography is so much a part of me that I don't know myself without it. When I was in elementary school in Hawaii, my small school decided all the students would collaborate in writing a book. Some students wrote poems and short stories and others were given a disposable camera and told to take photographs of whatever made them happy. I was given a camera and the moment I saw the world through the lens, I became obsessed. I could create a new world through the camera. I could navigate the world in front of me through my images. My father was in the Navy, so we moved around a lot and taking images helped me feel closer to friends and houses I would have to leave behind. I kept taking photographs and by the time I was in high school, I was always in the dark room. I had an Olympus point and shoot camera and I would dress up my friends in different outfits and create characters for my images. I then moved to San Francisco to study photography. I went to the Academy of Art University and I graduated with a BFA in fine art photography. Once I graduated, I decided I wanted to try and photograph for magazines, so I moved to New York. I had very little money and I worked odd jobs at little gift shops and a gym in the city. I interned at magazines, photographed for magazines and didn't get paid, was a photographer's assistant and a production assistant for commercial photo shoots. I also worked at a photo agency, helping house huge photo shoot productions for magazines like Vogue. During this time, I completely forgot about creating my own images. I was so busy trying to make money and thinking if I just met the right person at the right time, at the right magazine, my career would take off. I also began drinking heavily. I was so focused on the career of image making that I completely lost sight of the beauty of creating art. After a couple of years, I had hit a low point and got sober. The first thing I did was dress up a friend and take photographs. Photography became my lifeline and I became more focused on the power that photography and images can have than the career it could give me. I didn't have any fancy equipment or a lot of money to spend on lights and lenses, but photography to me isn't the tool you capture your story with. It's the light that lingers, a moment that stretches into forever because you created it. It can be vulnerable and upsetting and difficult and sweet and tender. Photography can help create a world we can only imagine and tell stories that could never be written because only the light left on the negative could ever be enough. Photography to me is the way I move through the world and now I am in graduate school getting my master's, hoping to teach and share with others the magic that creating my own story has given me. Thank you, Jill, for your contribution this week. 
I am eternally grateful to the photographers who take on the challenge of uh, what does photography mean to you in less than five minutes. But I'm also incredibly grateful and thankful to the, the, for the honesty and for the importance that those who have contributed have put on answering the question. And I think Jill's there was a particularly powerful and raw explanation of the process. I wish she'd met me when uh, she was working as a magazine uh, photographer. Maybe I could have uh, given her that uh, support that she needed at the time. But it also, um, what she was saying there, takes me back again to that Jeff Dyer book that I was talking about at the beginning of this episode. And in the book, um, Dyer includes uh, an extract from a poem by the novelist, short story writer, poet and essayist D.H. Lawrence. And um, I thought it was just perhaps worth including the whole poem here as a kind of response to what Jill was saying but also continuing this idea of the importance of the personal. Anyway, the poem is called Thought, and this is it. Thought. I love thought. But not the juggling and twisting of already existent ideas. I despise that self-important game. Thought is the welling up of unknown life into consciousness. Thought is the testing of statements on the touchstones of consciousness. Thought is gazing onto the face of life and reading what can be read. Thought is pondering over experience and coming to conclusion. Thought is not a trick or an exercise or a set of dodges. Thought is a man in his wholeness, holy, attending. I think we could very easily rename that poem photography and replace the word thought with photography. And it would make an awful lot of sense. And I have to say, when I read that, it, the idea of the twisting of already existent ideas really did lead me back to that type of theoretical writing that I was talking about at the beginning of this episode, in which I gave an ex uh, example of. I think what we really need to do is make that connection with the personal and the personal will then inform our work. Many of you know this, and I'm saying it, I suppose, for a reason which is rather personal, which is that I was involved in a conversation uh, recently over the last couple of weeks where somebody challenged the idea that the personal was not to be trusted and that we should only be relying on data. I'm not that kind of person. And I don't know many really great photographers, good photographers or photographers who are. Just like to say a thank you this week to all of you who've been signing up for our new weekly newsletter, free of course, dropping into your email inbox on a Wednesday. So thanks very much to all of you um, who've been clicking on it and opening it. I get all the statistics and it seems to be not only popular in the amount of people who are signing up, but also the amount of you who are engaging with it. The idea of the uh, newsletter is to let you know that this podcast is live and ready and waiting for you, but also to update you on new articles and events that are occurring. Um, 
connected with us and on the United Nations of Photography.com website. The latest articles and also some dipping back into the archive that you may not be aware of. So thanks very much for that. If you like the idea and you're not yet uh, signed up, you can get signed up very easily by just visiting www.getreview.co forward slash profile forward slash UN of photo. Of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at UN of photo. Whilst I'm talking about things we're involved in, I haven't mentioned the book for a while. Um, the book of what does photography mean to you? is available and it contains 89 professional award-winning photographers from around the world all answering that question with photographs that they've supplied of themselves. So you can get that £9.99 plus post and packaging from Blue Coat Press. I always get it wrong. Bluecoatpress.com uk and uh, if you uh, go onto the website you can also get that worldwide so it doesn't matter where you are blue coat press will send it off to you so as i said uh, on that newsletter we've got a couple of events coming up as part of the oxford brooks university's festival of creative industries you can come across that by going to the oxford brooks university website two free events one a debate a discussion a panel chat about um a title i gave it actually we're all photographers now but none of us know what that means i'm sure that's going to provoke some debate and also a screening of our bill j film do not bend the photographic life of bill j and that'll be with a uh, q a with me after the film and that's an online experience as is the uh, discussion about what photographers are today and who we are and what we mean i should also say that's with some really great people um, who are very much involved in the world of commissioning photography so that could be useful to a lot of you so we fitted in a lot today another uh, episode that seems to have had a theme once again completely and utterly unplanned but it wouldn't be the a photographic life podcast without some serendipity of chance just like life itself a photographic life podcast constantly flow throws up curveballs and we do our best to catch them and of course what we always try and do every week is just take care Thank you.